For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, Tim. Glad to be with you. I, I gather the sticking point here and, and the reason for the confusion. There's some Georgia law uh, that, that evidently speaks to the fact that we are a consolidated government that holds nonpartisan elections for seats like Athens Clark County Commission. Step us through the vagaries of that as best you can. Certainly. So Georgia law is very clear of what happens if a candidate dies in a partisan election. So if they're before the primary, between the primary and the general, or after the general election. Um, Georgia law has less specificity about nonpartisan elections, but the statute that governed that uh, Mr. Drake cited in his memo is correct, and the Georgia Supreme Court has recognized that Georgia is kind of in the minority of a lot of states in voiding votes for candidates who die in nonpartisan elections. So, had we been holding a partisan election, had, had he been running as a Democrat or a Republican, uh, there would likely be a different outcome. Correct. In a, in a partisan election, there's an opportunity to replace someone on the ballot if they pass away before the election. Uh, but in a general election that is nonpartisan, that opportunity does not exist under Georgia law. And, and people may remember about 20 years ago, the election with Mel Carnahan and John Ashcroft in Missouri, where the, the mission was vote for the dead guy to try to defeat uh, John Ashcroft, and he was and the senator there. And so that, that state follows the majority rule of most states, which is you count the votes for the deceased candidate. Georgia is a state that in a nonpartisan election won't count those votes, and we treat it as if the person, the, there was somebody, nobody else on the ballot, basically, those votes go away. Uh, again, Brian Tyson with us, election law expert in Atlanta, and we're looking at the decision from Athens Clark County Attorney Judd Drake that says Jesse Hool in fact, takes a seat. I'm looking at here the code of ordinances, uh, Athens Clark County, uh, that, that would appear to speak to this, and there are a couple of things in it. Uh, one, and it basically becomes a matter of timing. Uh, it's section A, if you will, from Section 2 paragraph A, I suppose, uh, in the event that the office of a member of the commission shall become vacant by reason of death, resignation, any other cause, and the term shall expire in less than 180 days, the vacant position shall be filled by appointment from the remaining members of the commission. Okay, now with outside the 180 days, which is where we would be, uh, if the term of the vacant commission position will continue for more than 180 days, a special election will be held as provided in this charter, the charter of the athens Clark County government. Is this an instance of state law superseding local statute? No, this is an instance of the state, the local statute not really speaking to the exact scenario because the, the statute, the charter provisions you cited there relate to what happens if there's a vacancy, not what would happen in terms of when there's not a vacancy. And since this election was for Commissioner Neesmith's next term of office, the vacancy provisions are not going to apply except as to requiring the state county to hold a special election for the unexpired term of Commissioner Neesmith. Is this something, and again, uh, Brian Tyson here, Attorney Brian Tyson, is this something people are complaining that there's a, if nothing else, a bad look here uh, to, to hear as a voter that your vote has been voided 
Uh, and nobody wants to hear that. I mean, we, we hear all these allegations of voter suppression and, and the like uh, and disenfranchisement and the like. It's hard for many of us to imagine a more literal definition of voter suppression than being told that the vote I just cast for the candidate of my choice has been voided. Is that just an unfortunate word? Is it something that, in, in your estimation, should be addressed by the legislature? So there are no, it definitely is a, an unfortunate word in the context of that. But the reality is we have rules that govern elections, and we have to set those ahead of time so that everyone knows the rules that they're playing on. A similar situation can happen if, if a candidate were to withdraw. Instead of dying, they decide to withdraw before a primary, for example. People may have already voted for that candidate, and those votes won't be counted. So I think it's just a part of how we administer elections and making those policy choices along the way to decide how we're going to handle this. It's certainly something the legislature can address and I think probably should address to make it very clear what the procedures are if you're involved in nonpartisan elections and a candidate dies. Yeah, and a little bit off the topic here, but it does speak to a point you make there that a great many people had voted for Commissioner Neesmith by the time we got the word of his unfortunate passing. He passed away on Sunday. The early voting here ended on Friday. I don't know, maybe 40% of the votes had been cast by that point, maybe more uh, with the absence that had been cast, and, and then you go to the polls the Tuesday and make a decision. An issue that we had here, though, was that between the, the, the passing on Sunday and the election on Tuesday, those who had yet to vote, voted without any guidance, and we sought guidance and got none. Uh, it, was it simply, and I'm not trying to get you to throw anybody under the bus here, I'm just trying to understand what may have happened here, is it simply a matter of our local attorney and attorneys, plural, elections officials, trying to figure out and not being able to do so by the time Tuesday rolled around? Certainly, election officials have so many things that are happening, and especially with the, the COVID-19 impact and trying to figure out the administration of the election. Again, the, the statutory provisions are clear about the notices that have to be posted if a candidate dies or withdraws in a partisan election. But as, as the memo from Mr. Drake showed, there was kind of some legwork that had to be done on the research side to deal with this nonpartisan situation. So I would just assume they were trying to make sure they had it exactly right um, and work on that. I always I appreciate the work election officials do and know they have a difficult job. And so I, I would look at it as it was a necessary time period to get the analysis right so they would know what to do under the law. Again, drag you into somebody else's fight here, as long as we have an attorney who's an elections law expert here. Uh, a lot of finger pointing back and forth about the issues last election day, specifically, not exclusively, but primarily uh, Fulton and DeKalb counties. And, you know, the litany of issues, problems with voting machines and poll workers who didn't know how to use them and the like. Uh, the secretary of state is blaming the local officials. The local officials are blaming the secretary of state here. Help us understand in a very general and as specific as you care to get here uh, fashion, what is the responsibility of a secretary of state as it speaks to elections? So Georgia, like many states, has a kind of hybrid system of how we run elections. Um, elections are primarily run by county election officials, and that's the way our system is set up. A lot of functions are carried out by counties. After the 2000 election, there was a real desire to look at making it a more statewide approach to elections on a national front. And so by statute, the Secretary of State has designated the chief elections officer for the state. But that doesn't mean the secretary then has carte blanche to do whatever he wants to in particular areas. I think Athens is a great example. Um, they made a decision about the use of paper ballots and hand marking those that it had to go before the state election board. The secretary didn't have the authority to override that without going through a process that's in the statute. So because there's this kind of joint responsibility, there are certain duties the secretary has related to training of local election officials. 
um, certain duties related to voter lists and registration data, but many of those tasks are carried out by election officials in counties that are under the oversight of county boards, not under the oversight of the Secretary of State. So if my elections supervisor and my poll workers don't know how to use the machine, uh, my understanding from what you just explained is that the Secretary of State's responsibility is to make sure the folks at the top of the food chain locally know how to work them, and they're supposed to train the folks who come in and actually work on Election Day. Correct. That's the way our statutory system is set up right now. And again, it's like anything else in the context of elections. We have to make policy decisions about what the best way to run an election is. And if people want to look at that from a statutory perspective, the General Assembly obviously can take a look at that and intervene if it feels that's necessary. And I know there's been some calls already and some efforts underway, both by the secretary and by others in state government, to look at how we do the administration of elections and constantly try to get it better so that we're doing it right and every vote can count. Uh, something I always say, and we'll let you go on this one, and I don't know how long you've been doing this, but uh, you know we've had early voting now, I guess, for a couple of decades at least. Uh, it, it has to add a, a layer of complication to election law. And uh, the, the example I always cite is, okay, I went out and I voted for Bob for mayor, and after I cast my vote, I found out that Bob had just been arrested for, oh, I don't know, being an axe murderer or something. I can't, I, I can't can't redo my vote on that basis. That's right. And it's one of the changes that we've made in elections over the last few decades. Historically, we had election day and everybody went to vote. We all voted on election day. And the only way to vote early or absentee was if you had a reason why you couldn't be at your precinct on election day. And the, the policy preferences over the last couple of decades has been we want to make it easier for people to vote. And so in Georgia, we've had no excuse absentee voting for quite a while now. We've had extended early voting, weekend voting. We provide a lot of opportunities that other states don't to vote early, and then we let the voter make the choice of how much information do you want to have before you go cast your ballot, and you have a lot of options in terms of your ease of being able to cast that ballot. Um, Brian Tyson, good stuff. Election law expert in Atlanta. I'm, I'm going to keep your uh, number in my phone here. We'll talk again at some point, I'm sure. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Have a great day. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.